Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. As we're just saying, we have a God who is a faithful Father. And so we come before Him and confess our sins to God. The fifth commandment is our call to confession today. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Fitting for a Father's Day. This fifth commandment calls us to honor our parents. So children, you are growing up in a family where dad and mom are in charge, and that is a good thing. Listening to them trains you to listen to our Heavenly Father, too. And in a moment, we'll look at the Westminster Confession. Uh, It broadens the application of, of this to all those over us in authority. Church members should honor church leaders. Employees should honor employers. And parents, uh, one thing the catechism says is to preserve the honor of those who are above us and beneath us. Parents, preserve the honor of your children even as you correct them. Give them what they need, what you owe to them. And when our superiors disgrace themselves, as they do more and more it seems, we have Noah's sons to instruct us. Remember in Genesis 9, when Noah disgraced himself, uh, two of his sons honorably covered it up and removed the problem. One of them returned disgrace for disgrace, mocking and scorning. Don't do that. Don't treat your presidents or your pastors or your parents or your peers that way. Instead, appreciate the heritage that you have received from your forefathers. By God's power, they have given us much centuries of history seeking to build Christian culture, constitutional rule of law in this nation, pioneers clearing the land, thoughtful families planting faithful churches like this one that we can now attend and enjoy the fruit of. Honor your people. Honor your fathers as best as you can. sermon text is from Ephesians chapter 6, a well-known verse on children and fathers. And let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this word that we have been reading, that we will read once again and meditate upon. We ask, Heavenly Father, that your uh, word would uh, bear the peaceable fruit of righteousness, as we just read. It is sometimes a word that disciplines us, convicts us. Sometimes a word that comforts us and encourages us. We pray for all of this, Lord, for you to shape us uh, into the image bearers that we were meant to be. We thank you uh, for your promise to do this. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians 6, the first four verses. Hear God's infallible word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
the grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. So fathers are an earthly reflection of God's fatherhood. That's kind of the big picture idea today. And what I'd like to do is uh, just simply give you a portrait of some things that faithful fathers do and some things they don't do. And I'm going to begin there with the idea of Jesus as our prophet and priest and king. You'll see that in the outline. Uh, those are the three points I'd like to make first, and then a couple of things that fathers don't do. Uh, it was a extended relative of mine, fourth or fifth cousin or uncle or something, who wrote a book that I still have called um, Fathers as Prophet, Priest, and King. And it was uh, something I hadn't thought much about before. Of course, um, Westminster gives us those categories as Jesus, our Redeemer, is our prophet, priest, and king. And so it was a bit of a striking idea to me to think of uh, all earthly fathers as such. On a lower level, of course, not in a redemptive sense. But in a sense, earthly fathers are meant to be prophets and priests and kings. And I want to fill that out with you for the first half of the message here and then talk about what fathers don't do from Ephesians 6, 4. So fathers are prophets, first of all. And for that, we can turn to 1 Thessalonians 2. I didn't uh, manage to get that in the reading so far, so if we turn there, that would be useful. 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul at uh, one point in Thessalonians uh, uses the analogy of mother. He says, we were among you as a, as a gentle mother. And then here in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 11, Paul says, For you know how, like a father with his children... We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So that's very instructive about earthly fathers. Paul says, I, we were among you as fathers with children. And then he gives quite a long description about what that meant, what he means by that. What does it mean to be among a church as, as an apostle, being a father with children? It means exhorting, encouraging, charging people to uh, walk in a manner worthy of God. Wow. Three big verbs there, and they're all words, right? Fathers are called to speak words to their children, words of exhortation, comfort, encouragement, charging them. In our culture today, dads are not known for their words. Well, if you ever notice that, it's more the strong, silent type. It's the dad who's in the background doing stuff, doing important stuff, but not too often talking a lot. That, that tends to be the picture our culture has of dad, and that's not a good thing. Fathers need to speak to their children. It's very important. Uh, in a positive sense, we can uh, see that in God the Father, right? That one thing God the Father does in the Gospels when Jesus begins his ministry is he speaks uh, to his son for all to hear. That is baptism. He says, you are my beloved son. He, he tells his children that he loves him. That's what we're called to do as fathers. So speak to your children. Speak to your wife. That's a good thing. Psalm 78 we read at the beginning does the same thing. Fathers need to tell these things to their children. Tell what God has done. And that's in a negative sense as well, right? There's three verbs there in, in verse uh, 12 of 1 Thessalonians 2. Exhort, charge, and uh, encourage, right? And exhort and charge can both be either positive or negative, right? Encourage is more just positive. 
Sometimes fathers have to, have to give a negative word. We saw that in Hebrews 12, right? Sometimes fathers discipline and, and correct. Uh, so th that's important too. Uh, I neglected to uh, get it in the uh, bulletin, Psalm 78. If you turn there, the, the verse after the, the last one we read is quite fascinating too. In Psalm 78, verse 8, uh, it says, We don't want to forget the works of God, verse 7, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast. Wow, sometimes we need, to, we need to call out where we haven't followed God's ways in the past. Uh, that's part of a prophet's job as well, right? To say, we're doing that wrong, and we need to go a different direction. That's a father's calling. Now, these three verbs, though, are not just words, right? Think of those words again. Exhort, where'd it go? Charge, encourage. Those words carry a lot of emotional freight. And that's a good thing. Fathers are invested in their families, right? You don't just pick up a book and, and read dryly and coldly to your kids or the Bible and think you've done your duty. Think of the prophets. The father is prophet here. The number of exclamation points that you find reading through the Old Testament prophets is truly amazing. The prophets were invested. They, they were sometimes screaming, sometimes pleading with Israel, right? That's a prophet's job too. Get across to your family your earnest desire for them to love the Lord. Yes, you want them to, be, uh, to have good behavior, right? You want them to be kind to their sisters and their mother, to know how to wash the dishes, how to mow the lawn, these things. But as 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. No greater joy than that. It's the same for pastors, by the way. I would, we have discussions and debates sometimes, and I'd love for you to share my opinions about how to read the Bible on everything from baptism to whatever it is. But far greater is that, that you love the Lord, that you seek his face, that you do his will, that's a prophet's job, to speak words to that effect. You know, sometimes we get the idea that the prophets were hard set against Israel. And there were times that that kind of comes out. Like they're, they're bringing God's accusation against Israel, so sometimes it doesn't seem like that. But Israel was their people. They loved their people. But they had to bring a word of condemnation, judgment, correction. It reminds me of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He's sometimes called. He often speaks of, uh, of weeping over Jerusalem or, or whatever it is. I had an elder in a former church who always called me Jeremiah because I, I, I would weep in the pulpit from time to time. He thought he, that was kind of funny to call me Jeremiah the weeping prophet. But this is what pastors, uh, patriarchs do. They plead with their people. Sometimes with tears. Change your ways. Don't be like our fathers. Don't be like I was. Don't be like the culture out there. Come and know the love of the Lord. It's like Jesus weeping outside of the city on, at triumphal entry. Oh, if you had only known what would make for your peace. So we exhort, we encourage, we, we charge as fathers, as prophets. That's the prophet. The second one is priest. Uh, Jesus, uh, of course, is our great high priest. 
and earthly fathers are called to reflect that. Priests bring people to God, and priests bring God to the people. Kind of a, a reciprocal motion. And we saw that in Job 1. That's why I, we read from there. Uh, when, when Job uh, prays for his children, offers up sacrifices to them, he's interceding before God for his children. And we're called to do that in prayer, especially. Uh, and we're called to do that when, when you read the Bible to your family. You're being a priest in that sense. When you say at the table, now we're going to pray, you're being a priest. You're bringing your family to God. Do that. But then, when you do that, you're going to need to know what to say to God. And we need to learn how to be a faithful priest, how to pray well. That's one reason, by the way, that we print the prayer list in the bulletin for some prompts for what to pray about. Uh, that list isn't just to use only here at church. It, it's also good to use at home throughout the week. One reason we have the men of the church pray uh, here, as we just did, is because you're also praying for your families in similar ways to how you pray up front here. Uh, fathers are called to be priests in, in that sense as well, bringing their families to God, uh, bringing God's word to bear uh, on their families. And third uh, is, uh, is king, prophet, priest, and king. And uh, for this, we go to Genesis 18, uh, where God speaks of Abraham as one whom uh, God has called Abraham to command his family, to direct his household coming after him to keep God's ways. That's quite a, a striking description of, uh, of Abraham and the call of the head of a household. It's your job to command the family. That word command kind of sets us back a little bit, right? That, that gives a, a bit of the, the dictator kind of feel. That's, that's not the point. The point is simply to set policy, right? To, to, we're, we're going to use our time and our money. Uh, we're going to have a calendar as a family. And, and you need to be deciding those kinds of things, setting direction as a family. You don't want to make those kinds of decisions without the counsel of your wife, for sure. Uh, some fall into the chauvinist trap that they have to decide things apart from their wives. Or even worse, that the women shouldn't be part of the discussion to make sure that the men are being the leaders. I think that's misguided. No, let her help you. I think a good analogy there is uh, the president in the White House, right? The president lets his advisors present him with solid intel, right? And sometimes the advisors even say, you don't want to do that, Mr. President, <laughs> right? advising goes a long ways. But dads, you're responsible for how the family conducts itself. And that calls for some assertion of authority. You're being kings in your home. So fathers are prophets and priests and kings in that sense. So uh, just a, a short description there of each of those for you to consider from God's word. Uh, now, what fathers don't do, back to Ephesians 6 is they don't exasperate or provoke uh, their children, right? That's the, the prime instruction given to fathers in Ephesians 6. And it's always very instructive, uh, when, especially here in Ephesians 5 and 6, there's other places too, where God calls out certain kinds of people, like wives or husbands or fathers or mothers or, or children. It's always instructive what he says to them. Because that tends to be something that they, that they need to hear, that they have a harder time with, right? Husbands, love your wives. Well, well, we'll work hard for our wives all day long, but it's a different thing to love her, 
And, and sometimes uh, husbands have a harder time doing that. Uh, <clears throat> wives can love their husbands all day long, but it's a little harder to respect him sometimes for wives. So that's what the Bible tells us to do. Tells us to do. Wives, respect your husbands. Submit to them. It's not like they don't have to love them. It's just that tends to be harder. Same for children. It's harder to obey your parents, right? So come to verse 4. What is it about fathers? Fathers tend to provoke their children to anger. They tend to exasperate their wives. I don't know if you've seen the book. I think it's by Doug Wilson. Lately, he came out with a book called How to Exasperate Your Wife. <laughs> Funny uh, title and cover with, with a guy kind of in a caveman suit, kind of yelling and beating his chest with his foot on the couch. Right? He's exasperating his wife. It's easy for fathers to do that. Well, how do we do that? I just want to uh, play that out a little bit in three ways. Uh, th there are three main ways that fathers tend to uh, exasperate or provoke. One is by their absence. Uh, by their absence. And that can be functional or, or very physical and real. Uh, dads and husbands can do this in many ways. Maybe, maybe uh, we can be on our phone too much. And so we're in the same room, but we're not really with our family. Uh, or you're engrossed in your work. And even when you're at home and not at the office, or not, you're still thinking about that. You're not thinking about the family. That's one way to exasperate your family, to not really be with them mentally and in heart. A few of you don't have an earthly father at all. Uh, he left and has never been part of your life. That's a huge sin against you, and it provokes you. And we should recognize that provoking, that, that, that real wound that's in us. Right? That, that's a, that tends to make you angry or resentful of God or of the world. You, you, you want to fight back somehow. So fathers can um, provoke in that way by their absence. Second, real quickly, we can also provoke by hypocrisy. Right? There are uh, some dads who uh, never repent of anything, but they demand total and absolute submission to everything they ask right away and abject submission if they don't get it. But then if they do something wrong, they, they don't see that and repent of it. They, they demand repentance of their kids, but they never show them how, so to speak. So hypocrisy can, can be a way that fathers exasperate their kids. And the last one, uh, spend a bit more time on, uh, is uh, what I call overplaying the authority card. Right? Fathers have authority in their families, and I, I've seen this a lot, uh, not much here, thank the Lord, but it's something that, uh, that is constantly on my mind. It's important not to overplay the authority card. Uh, you, you don't have to make every decision. Uh, you, you can overzealously press too hard, to, to, and you can make your children resent your version of God. That's what sometimes happens. New fathers and, and new Christians tend to do this in, the, in what we call the cage stage, right? You can take yourself too seriously. Dads don't have to be at all for their families. God is our true father. Uh, dads, you are reflecting him, but you're also showing your family an example of how to be a limited and faltering man, a failing and sinning Christian, a repenting father who's working at being better. That's also part of what you're showing them. 
You aren't the main thing that your family should be looking at. You're a window through which your family should see God's faithful fathering. So, yes, it's true that the buck stops with you when it comes to being responsible for your family. But the family needs to see that you are happy to be under authority yourself at work, in the church, in the state when the policeman pulls you over, for example. I mean, imagine... Imagine your children thinking about you the way that you think about your boss. That, that can be a, a concerning or a comforting thought. Or about your politicians. You know, if you're always grumbling and complaining about the, the, your politicians at home, don't be surprised if you wind up with grumbling and complaining children about you. We need to be careful there and, and, and uh, seek to be a faithful uh, picture of, of who God is. Uh, one way that uh, C.S. Lewis puts this very well, he talks about this in The Four Loves. He says, uh, in regard to the relation between men and women, he talks about the roles that they play, and he lays that out quite well. And, and then at the end, he gives this little caveat. He says, now, it, yes, it's true that, that the husband is playing kind of a king role, and, and the wife is playing a queen role, but remember that those are paper crowns, he says. Enjoy that metaphor. We're, we're playing roles here, right? It, it isn't, for example, it's not like moms don't take on the roles of prophet, priest, and king ever, right? She tells little Johnny what he's done wrong. She prays for her kids. She decides things while dad's away. That certainly happens. A family without a father can manage faithfully. So we're playing at roles here. Uh, older children can sometimes say true and convicting things to their parents respectfully. And that's not violating the, the, the scripture and the roles. That's being a brother in Christ faithfully to one another. Uh, a wife should sometimes privately correct her husband. So we're, we're playing at roles here. Don't take this uh, overly zealously and, and in stone, uh, but it is God's uh, normal design for how we're uh, to act. So you can exasperate and provoke your family by taking this role too seriously in the wrong way. Uh, one good example of this in, in the culture today is uh, the movie The Incredibles. If you remember that movie, the, the main lesson was that dad thought he had to do it all himself, right? And he had to learn to let his family help in the mission. And that was a good thing. And that's something uh, that we need to keep in mind as we are people who are eager to assert the father's role in, in leading the home, we need to keep that uh, also in mind. Your authority is there to serve the family. Uh, the main goal isn't that your family submit to you. Uh, it, it, it's, it's all of you keeping God's ways together. That's the idea. That's, and this is why Jesus says and what he does in Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother... Right? That really sets us back. What are we doing reading that on Father's Day? Hate your father and mother? Well, Jesus is, is using uh, rhetoric here. It's, it's a, something of an exaggeration. The point is to follow Jesus. Yes, any earthly gift of God that gets in our way of keeping God's way, that we need to set aside. A house, a bank account, a job, a wife a sibling, a parent, whatever it is to follow Jesus, if it's getting in the way, we need to keep the Lord Jesus the center of our lives. You still ought to honor uh, your uh, fathers as best you can, uh, 
But the cost of discipleship can be high for some. So that's uh, the message that I have for you today. Just to close with a quick summary. Uh, Don't provoke your family by your absence or by hypocrisy or by lording your authority over them. Instead, like Jesus, be a prophet by exhorting and encouraging according to scriptural right and wrong. Like Jesus, be a priest by bringing your family to God and bringing God to your family. Like Jesus, be a king by directing your family and its resources to serve the king of kings. And just a brief word of encouragement. Dads, you are doing a good work. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. I'll say more about that at the table. But bless your family with your words and with your heart today. Fathers, you are an earthly reflection of the fatherhood of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we give you thanks for your word, for the various ways in which you speak of fathers uh, as uh, those who are to exhort and to encourage uh, and to discipline their children. Uh, Keep us faithful in this calling. Uh, Let us not grow weary of well-doing as Uh, There is much to do. Uh, There is much training that is needed for our little ones. Uh, And there is much wisdom that we need ourselves to see how we can uh, be more faithful, uh, where we are going the wrong way. Uh, Give us humility to change, uh, to see that. Give us wisdom, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we might uh, more fully reflect your glory and the, the design you've given us for how to live as families, as believers in the Lord Jesus. All this we offer up to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray as he taught us to pray. Matthew chapter 7 for the communion exhortation. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Thus far the reading of God's word. One of the basic jobs that a father has, we like to say, is to put food on the table. And God does this. He provides us with daily bread, and he sets this table for us every week. But notice what happens at this table. We don't just need food for our soul. The food for our soul that we need is Christ. We need the giver more than we need the gift. And God gives himself to us at this table. Now, what we just read there, Jesus says that fathers know how to give good things to their families. And that's important. Fathers give themselves in the giving. There is a way to give a gift that gives the gift instead of giving yourself. Uh, Bad fathers, bad people sometimes do that to buy off the person so they can just go and do whatever they want. That's not how God is. He gives himself. It reminds me of Zephaniah 3. Uh, The Lord your God is in your midst. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's what God does for us. He's giving himself. 
So, fathers, do what God does for all, all of us at this table. Rejoice over your people with gladness and singing. Comfort them with your love. See God doing that for you here in this time and in this place. Let's receive Christ and rest on him alone today for our salvation. We do invite you to the Lord's table, all those who are baptized and who are under the authority of Christ and his body, the church. As we eat the bread and drink the wine, we are acknowledging that we are sinners without hope except in God's sovereign mercy, that we're trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. So come and welcome to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.